Great to see you guys. Thank you. I just want to take a moment before we get started and just ask if there's anyone here that you have a family member that have given their blood for this great nation. You know, we enjoy freedom every day, but we enjoy it at great price. And the price was paid by many who have gone before us, who have given their lives uh, in an honor and in duty towards their country. And if you have a family member anywhere up the line that has given their life for this country, would you stand to your feet so we can honor you and the sacrifice you have made as well? Would you please do that? Just stand to your feet. And we just want to thank all these wonderful people and their families for giving us the freedom that we have. Thank you so much. We're grateful for you. Thank you. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our service today. Glad you guys are here for Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I'm honored to have a guest in the house today to preach. This guy has a great message for you. Very, very powerful. He's a great leader. He is a great father and husband. Uh, and he leads in a great church as well as he's also the president of a university. Please give a warm South Texas welcome to Dr. John Chastine. Well, what's going on, Church Unlimited? How are we doing today? Are you glad to be in church? Come on, we can make some noise for Jesus today, every campus. We're excited. Let me take, um, let me take just a quick second and greet every single campus. Uh, I was a campus pastor at one time uh, at, at a church as a video site campus, and my heart goes out to you. I love you guys so much and the energy in the room there at every single one of the campuses at, 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 uh, at Padre Island, at, uh, at Rodfield, at West, West Side, at Rockport Fulton, and, and all of those watching online. Maybe you're watching this online. Maybe you're listening to this podcast or you're on YouTube, welcome. We're, we're excited that you're here. Uh, as Pastor Bill said, my name is John Chasteen, and uh, I have the extinct privilege of being here today. I, I am so excited uh, to be at this church, and I don't know if you realize this. Uh, do you know how really cool and awesome your pastors are? Pastor Bill and Jessica, aren't they amazing? Look at the coolest. I think, um, I think sometimes we can get used to something over periods of time, like you go to Hawaii and you meet people that live there and you're like, you don't realize how beautiful it is here, do you? Because you wake up to this every morning. And I think that you have this at Church Unlimited and you don't realize how amazing this church is and how influential this church is. Can you just give yourselves a hand? Come on, give, give this staff a hand, your pastor, your campus pastor at your campus, uh, doing amazing work. Uh, as Pastor Bill said, I pastor a church in Oklahoma City called Victory Church. And then uh, I have a, a really distinct privilege of, of being a, a, a president at a university, too. I have a really weird, bizarre background where I was in higher education. Uh, before I was ever a pastor, I just attended a church in Oklahoma City, and I, I was kind of a back right guy. Like, all the holy people are on the back. Come on, back row people, make some noise. Come on, for Jesus. That's where I sat. That was my seat right there. Somebody just said amen in church for the first time ever. Um, <laughs> But that was me. I was a greeter at this church, and God just radically grabbed me and pulled me into the ministry and became a campus pastor. And all my degrees are in higher education, and so I just became a pastor out of nowhere. And now I, it's just this cool thing where I get to have one foot in higher education and one foot in the local church. And, and I think the local church is the hope of the world. And so we're, this university is all about training the next generation of pastors and leaders for the local church. And so it's just an honor to be here. Uh, I'm excited to preach. I've been married. Let me, let me introduce you to my family real quick, the picture on, 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 the, on, the, on the screen. My wife, Michelle, we've been married 18 years, and our, our, two, our daughter, Corey, and our son, Jace. So more than any of that, I'm excited to preach. Can I preach? Is it okay if I preach in the house? You're like, eh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, who's this guy? Um, 
I have a, a, a I'm just going to preach one verse today. Just one. Just one verse. Don't get too excited, though. I'm a preacher. I can talk. So we'll, we'll stretch this verse out. Don't, go, don't get too excited. But I, I got a word that I think will encourage you today. And I want to talk about a subject that every single human being on earth has to deal with at one moment in time uh, of our life. And so if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read this passage out of the Passion Translation. I love the Passion Translation. If you've never read it, you should check it out. Uh, it just gives you another context to read Scripture in. And when I read it in this, this passage, in the Passage Translation, it just leapt off the page of me. And I'm going to do verse 1. Verse 1 says this. It says, Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness. That's really encouraging so far, isn't it? The, it's, one thing to, it's one thing to have to go to the wilderness, but this says that he had to go to the lonely wilderness, place all by himself. So it says that the Holy Spirit led him to the lonely wilderness in order to, watch this, in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. I want to talk to you on a subject that is very relevant, the wilderness. Are you encouraged? Isn't this so amazing so far? Like, I, but but I, well, here's my task. My task is to, by the end of my talk, is to try to convince you in some way, shape, or form that maybe, just maybe, I'm just, I'm just presenting a maybe, that maybe the wilderness isn't all that bad. That maybe there's a purpose in the wilderness and that maybe you, I could even convince you by the, by the time I finish this message, maybe I could, can even convince you on the title of my message, because the title of my message is The Wonderful Wilderness. Let's pray and I'll, I'll dive into this. Father, we welcome you here today. We, we welcome you into this place because a sermon doesn't change us. Your word changes us. And so before we dive into your word, we open our hearts and our minds and we invite you to speak to us, each one of us individually. I can't speak to these people individually, Lord. Only you can. And so I, I pray that you would use my voice to do so. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me, let me talk about the ir irony of this verse. So it says that the Holy Spirit, now you know the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the comforter. So think about that. Let me, let me rephrase it this way. The comforter led Jesus to a lonely place. That's, that's, that doesn't make sense. Why would the comforter lead someone to the lonely place? And this is my task. This is my task is to show you something in this text. So I'm just going to go through this text one little bit at a time and pull out some truths for you, okay? So let's go, to the, let's go back to it. Let me, let me show you a truth in it. It says, afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely place. And these next three words are the most important words in order to, in order to, pause, dot, dot, dot. The first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. Every single, every wilderness has an in order to. And I can find some comfort, even though I'm not a big fan of the wilderness, I can find a little bit of comfort in the wilderness as long as there's an in order to. As long as God's doing something. As long as I know that this wilderness wasn't for nothing, and I hope you're catching on that I'm not talking about the desert. I'm not talking about a literal wilderness that you're going to go to with your feet. I'm talking about a wilderness that you're visiting with your heart, with your mind, with your spirit, 
with your emotions, the, the, the part of you that is identified as the soul. You know what your soul is, right? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And when your soul is visiting a wilderness, it is a very lonely place. But I can find some comfort in knowing that maybe God has working on something. And there's another group of people in the Bible that went to the wilderness. So Jesus went to the wilderness. Uh, John the Baptist, remember John the Baptist was in the wilderness, but the Israelites were in the wilderness in the Old Testament, and God did a work in them in the wilderness. Uh, let me show you one, one passage here in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. Because God led Jesus, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, God led the Israelites into the wilderness too. Did you know that? Watch this in verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though... That was shorter. It's like the airlines, you know. You're trying to get to New York and they send you to Chicago. You're like, what are we doing? Why are we? The, one of the translations in the scripture says that it says that God led them in a roundabout way. But then it goes on to tell us why. It says, for God said, if they face war, they will change their minds and return to Egypt. And so God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. He led them right into the wilderness right into the wilderness. But in Deuteronomy, it's replaying the story. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two, this is the Lord reminding them. He says, remember how the Lord led your God, the, how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years. Now watch this. To humble and test you. And then those exact same three words appear. In order to, dot, dot, dot. So the big question that I need to ask you is, what is your dot, dot, dot? <laughs> you know there's a different word for that, dot, 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 right? The English language, the grammar, it's actually called an ellipsis. So what is your ellipsis? If God has led you, it's like, okay, John, the, the Holy Spirit led John Chastine into the wilderness in order to, what is my dot, dot, dot? What is God trying to do in me? And, and I can find some comfort. I don't like the wilderness. I'm not saying we should all go to it. I'm not saying we should call our travel agent tomorrow and say, I'm looking for the wilderness. Can you help me get there? I heard this sermon. No, the wilderness is terrible. But I can find some sort of comfort in knowing that God has something next for me. And he loves me too much to put me in front of that next without taking me into a place where I'm going to figure some things out. So we, we ask ourselves this question, what is our ellipsis? God, how are you trying to stretch me? How are you trying to change me? What are you after? Which leads me into my next point. Go back to this text. It says, afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to, and this is Jesus's ellipsis. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser. So write this down if you're taking notes. Every wilderness has a big reveal. Every wilderness is trying to reveal something. This is where we get this word revelation. It's a fresh revelation. Every wilderness is God's attempt knocking on our heart saying, I got something I want to reveal to you. Are you open to it? There's something in you that I want to get. And really the wilderness is the greatest tool that is used to reveal our hearts. Every wilderness will reveal a portion of your heart that God intends to consume. Because the truth of the matter is, is that um, God doesn't want your money. He's not worried about your money. I'll say something real bold. God doesn't want your marriage. 
He doesn't want your kids. He doesn't want your career. He doesn't want your job. God wants one thing. God is obsessed with your heart. And here's why. Because if you give God your heart, guess what? He gets your money. He gets your kids. He gets your marriage. He gets your career. He gets your life. He gets every single part of you. And so he's not trying to get it at you all a cart. Well, let's, let's, let's work on your money here. Let's work on your finances. Let's work on, no, just give me your heart. And the wilderness will reveal parts of our heart that God wants to pursue. Let me, let me show you this in Deuteronomy, the same text, Deuteronomy 8.2. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness. He led you there. And then it says this, to humble and test you in order to, watch what it's in order to, in order to know what was in your heart and whether or not you would keep his commands. He wanted your heart. That's what he wanted all along. There's actually this, this word, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is pregnant with Jesus, and Simeon comes to Mary and is kind of giving this word over Mary about who she's going to give birth to. I don't know if you've ever read, read this verse before like this, but Luke 2.34 says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against. Watch what verse 35 says. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. One of the reasons that Jesus came to this earth was to get our hearts, to reveal things in our hearts. And the wilderness, as much as we don't like the wilderness, as much as it's uncomfortable, as much as it stretches us, it compels us to show, to reveal our hearts to God in the areas that he's pursuing. So the, really the big question then becomes, okay, John, even if I'm buying into this junk you're saying, okay, whatever, how long does this wilderness have to last? How long do I have to feel this way? How long do I have to hide this addiction? How long do I have to struggle through this process in this wilderness that I've been through for years? This is the big question. But what I want to show you is that the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. But did you know that geographically speaking, the journey from Egypt to the promised land was an 11-day walk that took 40 years? Why? Well, you know what's waiting on you um, on the other side of the wilderness, right? In the promised land? Battles. You're like, who is this guy? Can Pastor Bill please come back? <laughs> My gosh, what is going on here? This is terrible. God works on us in the wilderness to prepare us for battle. Because do you know what you were designed to do as a Christ follower? Take ground. Take ground for your marriage, take ground for your family, take ground for his kingdom. So God does a work so that we can possess the promised land, so that we can take the promised land. But he's doing the work in the wilderness. And this is what I want you to catch about what was happening with the Egyptians. It only took a few days. Now watch this. It only took a few days for the Israelites to leave slavery, to leave Egypt. But it took 40 years for the slavery to leave them. They were no longer slaves but they were still acting like slaves. They, they had not figured it out yet. It took them 40 years to stop acting like slaves. It took them 40 years to realize their true authority. And how are we any different? Because we gave, I gave my life to Jesus 20 years ago. I'm out of slavery. I'm a son of God. 
Maybe you gave your, your life to Jesus 10 years ago or 30 years ago or 80 years ago, but how often do we still act like slaves? How often do we not take and live in the authority of, as, as sons and daughters of Jesus? And this is what he's trying to teach them. And really, how long will my wilderness last then, John? Until you give God your whole heart, every piece of it. And you will spend the rest of your life with God saying, hey, what about this piece? Can I have that, Can I have that piece too? Can I have this piece too? You trust me with your finances, but you don't trust me with your kids. Can I have that part? Can I have that part? You trust me with your career, but you won't trust me with your finances. Can I have that part too? And he's constantly taking us through these series. And so really this is the thought behind this idea is that perhaps sending you into the wilderness was God's choosing, but the length of stay is yours. We play a role in this process and in this wilderness. Am I gonna dig my heels in the sand and be stubborn or am I gonna let God do a work in my heart? So what does the wilderness use? What, does, what instrument does the wilderness use to tug at my heart? I wanna show this to you. Let's go back to the same text. It says, afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser. Now watch this. It tells us what the instrument that was going to be used to reveal the heart by going through the ordeal of testing. Eh. Testing. Kidding me? Anybody at all like tests? Anybody? Don't raise your hand, nerds. No. Nobody likes tests. <laughs> Write this down if you're taking notes. Every wilderness has an ordeal. Every one of them. You know what an ordeal is? The def de definition of an ordeal in the Webster Dictionary is a painful experience. Sermon just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? <laughs> Painful experience. Something that we walk through in the wilderness. And really, so the question then becomes that I ask every single campus is, what's your ordeal? What is that painful experience? Look, come on, help me preach. Look at your neighbor and say, what's your deal? <laughs> come on, come on, Padre. Say it more judgmentally. Say, what's your deal? <laughs> Because the truth is we all have a deal. We all have something that we're struggling with. We got issues. Look at the other person sitting next to you and say, you got issues, man. Like, some of y'all wanted to say that for a lot of years, and you just got to do it in church. So, so think about this. The Israelites left Egypt, okay? Watch this. The Israelites leave Egypt. They leave slavery. There's this portion, if you don't know it, go back and read it tonight. It's in the book of Exodus, or Numbers. And they get to this place where they're going to send spies into the promised land. And you, some of you remember this. The spies come back and they report a bad report. They're fearful. They're bigger than us. We can't do this. Historians believe that from the time they left Egypt to the time they sent spies in was 390 days. 390 days. Sent spies in. Guess what the spies came back and said? They're too big. We could never beat them. It's over. That was their ordeal. That was their test. Do they have the faith required to take the territory? Fear drove them back into the wilderness, and God said, back to the wilderness you go. You're not ready to fight yet. You're not ready for the battle. And 390 days turned into 14,600 days, 40 years. 390 days, 14,600 days. There's a process that God is working on us, and we all have to answer that question, how long is my ordeal going to last? But there's actually good news. I know, believe it or not, this tall 6'7 dude actually has good news today. 
Because the wilderness does something to us that is least expected when you're going through the wilderness. The fourth thing the wilderness does, if you're taking notes, is that every wilderness reveals a new strength. Every single wilderness that you walk through, no matter how long you have to walk through it, when you finally leave that wilderness, you are a stronger person. You walked through something that, that grew your faith, that you realize with Christ, I can do all things. Amen. There's nothing that I can't conquer. And it took the wilderness to prove it. It took the wilderness to prove it. So let me show you this passage in Isaiah 40, 29. It says, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. It doesn't say that he gives power to the powerful and he gives strength to the ones who are already strong. It doesn't say that. Paul, Paul walked through this. Remember this in 2 Corinthians 12, and Paul is crying out to God saying, I got a thorn in my side and I prayed to God three times that he would remove this. And maybe you've been there. You've prayed and asked God, will you remove this addiction? Will you remove this depression? Will you remove it? And God told Paul the same thing God tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, my grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. It's almost as if a prerequisite to God's strength is the wilderness, the wonderful wilderness. Maybe the wilderness is the very thing that I need. <laughs> Who would have ever said that? Who would have ever thought that the wilderness is actually doing a work that no one else can do, that is driving me to a place that no one else could take me to? And maybe I'm just, I'm just, it's still, I know, I'm not trying to force this down your throat. I'm just presenting to you that maybe, just maybe, the wilderness isn't all that bad. Now, I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying let's all go find a wilderness. This is going to be exciting. No. I'm saying that if you're in one or if you find yourself in one, let it do its work. Let it do its work. There's, there's three things that God was showing the Israelites in the, the, the wilderness that I think he shows to us in ours. The first one is the wilderness prepares us for the battles to come. It's the place of preparation. It's the place where we're learning how to hold the shield and wield the sword. It's the place where God shows us this. The second thing it does is the wilderness teaches us who our source really is. Because you know what happened to them in the wilderness? I'm, like, I'm talking like Panera bread bagels just sort of falling from the sky. Manna, do y'all have Panera bread here? Okay, so, so it just starts falling from the sky. And this is what God was teaching them in the wilderness. I am your provider. I am your provider. Egypt is not your provider. I am your provider. And when you get into the promised land and you're finding battle after battle after battle after battle, I want you to turn back to me and say, you are my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are where I get my strength. You are where I get my hope. You are where I get my, my finances. Your job doesn't pay you. God is your provider. And he wants to teach you that. He teaches you that in the wilderness. The third thing he teaches us in the wilderness is, is that God will make a way when there is no way. Their backs are up against the Red Sea, waters part, and they're looking around going, uh, was that you, Moses? No, that was God. Okay, God made a way when there was no other way. It was in the wilderness when they were thirsty, when they were hungry, when they were back up against the wall to the enemy, and God swooped in, and they were learning this so that when they got to the promised land, they would experience it. 
And you will experience God in the wilderness in ways that you would have never experienced him on the mountaintop. Whenever, whenever Moses goes to Pharaoh, he's talking to Pharaoh when they're still in slavery. This is what he says to them in Exodus 5.1. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. Now watch this. That they may feast to me. Where at? In the wilderness. It's in the wilderness that they're going to feast on me. And this is really the thought behind that, is that we don't realize that God is all we need until he is all we have. You will never realize how much you need God until God is all you have. And so the wilderness is where we're exposed to God's goodness, we're exposed to his grace, we're exposed to his empowerment. So maybe, just maybe, that's what Paul was talking about in James chapter 1, verse 2, when he said, consider it a sheer gift, friends. <laughs> when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. For you know, he's saying, you know this, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced, and it will be forced, into the open and show its true colors. So don't try to get out of it prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed. The, new, the, the NIV translation says, says this. It says, let perseverance finish its work. Let the wilderness do its work. Let the wilderness do its work. Let it dig down deep and dig things out of me because God wants our whole hearts. He wants our whole hearts. So let me conclude with this thought. We've got Jesus with the wilderness for 40 days, right? We've got the Israelites with the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, I'll take 40 days for 200, Alex. Thank you. Let's, let's, do, let's do that one. I want 40 days. If that's the choice, I'll go with 40 days. So let's learn from Jesus. What did Jesus do in the wilderness? Forget what the Israelites did. They were a bunch of idiots. By the way, we are the Israelites, y'all. I'm just saying. We're the stubborn, stiff-necked people walking around the same mountain over and over again. And Jesus is up in heaven going, oh, my gosh. I was in the wilderness too, you know. Why don't you just see what I did instead? So you want to know what Jesus did? It's very simple. Jesus in the wilderness, very simple. He used the most powerful weapon at our disposal, the word of God. You know what Jesus said three times when he was being tempted by the devil? All three times. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. You know why he's doing that for, for, for our sake? It's because the devil doesn't care what you think. The devil doesn't care how you feel. The devil doesn't care what you're going through, but the devil does care when you speak the word of God. He has no place, he has no authority, and he has no choice but to flee because it's the word of God. It's authority. So I want to I challenge every campus, everybody watching online, everybody in this room, when's the last time you spoke the word of God? When's the last time you memorized a scripture that spoke to your wilderness and then you spoke it out? out loud. When's the last time you read? Like your parents, your kids are going to think you're crazy. You're like, shut up, get to your room. I'm, I'm quoting scriptures. Go to your room, you know, <laughs> whatever. But, but begin to speak this. Let me show you the power in this in Ephesians chapter six. 
verse 17, it says this. It says, and take the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. This is your greatest weapon. Your greatest weapon. This, this, is, this is what we learn from Jesus in the wilderness. He used the word of God, and it was his sword that was defeating the enemy time and time again with the word, the spoken word of God that was coming forth from his lips in that moment. So two questions. Are you in the word with your eyes, and are you speaking the word with your mouth? Memorize scripture. Listen, and it's the hardest. You know when the hardest time to read the Bible is? When you're in the wilderness. Do you know when you'll feel, feel like reading the Bible the least? When you're in the wilderness. Do you know when you need to read the Word of God the most? When you're in the wilderness. In fact, if you ever feel like not reading the Word of God, chances are that's when you need to read it the most. And this is what will happen. The byproduct of this, when you begin to get into the Word of God, the byproduct that will begin to happen inside of you is you will begin to produce the very thing that you lack in the wilderness. You know what that is? Faith. Because you know, what, you know what makes the wilderness depressing, right? You don't have any faith. You have no hope. You have no future. But the Word of God is the very thing that creates faith. Let me show you this in, in, in Scripture in Romans 10, 17. It says, so then, this is the formula. You ready for the formula? So then faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes, well, there it is, by the Word of God. So I'm going to build my faith as I get into the Word of God. I'm gonna get out of the wilderness when I build my faith, when I speak the Word of God over my kids, when I speak the Word of God over my depression, when I speak the Word of God over my addiction, when I speak the Word of God over my marriage, when I speak the Word of God, it's the Word of God. Here, here's the deal, is you can't get out of the wilderness on your own. But we have this, this hope, we have this future. Ephesians chapter six, verse 16 says this, it says, above all. Now, those are two really bold words that the Apostle Paul is using. Above, he goes, go back and read Ephesians 6 tonight. He lists off all these things, and then he says, above all. Above, above all of those things. Most importantly, he says, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. All you need is two things in the wilderness. You need your shield and you need your sword. That's all you need. As the enemy comes against your mind, as the enemy comes against your emotions, as your enemy comes against your family, your finances, your marriage, your job, your career, my faith is strong, my sword is sharp. Devil, don't mess with me, I'll stab you in the throat is what I'm gonna do, right? You, you need to begin to wield these things. You need to begin to wield these things. My marriage is falling apart. No, Scripture says what, man, what God put together, let no man separate. Stab that devil in the throat. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my kids. You can't have my life. You can't have my finances. Begin to fight. And in the wilderness, you are prepared for battle. Let's take some ground from the enemy. Can we take some ground from the enemy? Let me, let me do this in closing. Will you bow your heads for just a second? If you're here or at any campus, any campus at all, uh, if you're in the wilderness, will you raise your hand? Say, I'm in the wilderness. I'm just in a, in a tough spot. Hands going up all over the stinking building. I'm sure every single campus is experiencing the same. God behind bars. God's doing something powerful in the room. Can I pray for you? Father, sermons don't change people. You do. Eloquent words don't fix problems. You do. 
And so, Father, in this moment, I pray that you would come powerfully into every single person who raised their hand at every single campus and those watching online. God, would you allow a faith to begin to bubble up inside of us that we did not know was there, that this wilderness is having a purpose, that it was in order to reveal a new strength in me. There's something new coming up inside of me, a new strength that I did not know was there. It's coming up, and you, I'm going to take territory that you have in front of me. God, I pray that you would, would heal marriages, that you would heal finances, that you would do a work in our lives this morning. We thank you for the work that you're doing. In Jesus' name. While your heads are still bowed, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you are not in a personal relationship with Jesus, then you are just like the Egyptians. You're still in slavery. And you were never designed to be a slave. You were designed to enter into the promised land for all that God has for you. So if you're here or at any of our campuses and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, I invite you to just say this simple prayer after me. And every single person at every campus is going to say it with me. Just repeat this prayer. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. And Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins and you rose from the grave for my victory. And today I'm yours. You are my Lord. I need you to lead me and guide me in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we celebrate that, you guys, at every campus? Thank you guys so much.